listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by the Envision Advisors at Your Castle Real Estate. What's going on, everybody? The Dyer Podcast has a new host today. My name is Terrence Doyle, good friends with Chris Lopez. I'm super excited. We're going to record Chris's 2021 goal recap. We're a little bit past halfway, but we thought it would be good to check in with Chris, see how he's doing on his goals, and just do a checkup. So Chris Lopez, welcome to the studio. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good. It's weird being on the other side of that, but I like it. Spice is the variety of life. Still spice it up. You just got back from a river boating trip. I mean, are you relaxed? Are you in like a Zen state of mind right now? I'm in river Chris mode right now. River Chris. Which is very relaxed and just go with the flow. Go with the flow. One of the things, it, it's literally like seven days of like sitting in the river with one of my best friends in the world. It's a canoe trip, very easy. Green River in Utah. But you know, you, know, you do a lot of thinking out there. And I'm always just reminded, like I always use like the river as metaphor for life. Just mm-hmm. if you if you stay in the current, go with the flow, you get to your destination. And you can be out of the current, you can paddle hard, you can work hard, and you make less progress. So if you just, you know, hey, you have the goal in mind, you stay, you stay in the current, you will get there. Sometimes a little bit sooner or later than you do, but stay in the current. And that's the biggest part of like winning in life. Go with the flow and stay in the current towards your goals. It sounds like that's an episode all in itself right there. Should we just wrap it up? I mean, that was pretty profound. Boom. We're done. We're done. That was it. Uh, No, stay tuned. We got 10 10 things that we're going to go over with Chris that he wrote down his goals. He wrote down more than 10, but we're going to go over, we're going to recap 10 lines that he put out as his goals. And we're going to go through them one by one and see how 2021 is shaped up. And it sounds like you got some good thinking for your 2022 goals. Uh, while you're down the floating down the river, so maybe we'll talk about that. At oh the yeah, end. 22 and beyond. Give them a sneak peek. Wow, and beyond. Wow. Okay, so 2021. Your first goal here uh, for 2021 was a health and savings account, an HSA. So how is the HSA looking, Chris? Uh, I maxed it out. Checked it off. It's maxed. Yeah. Do you want to tell me more about an HSA? Because I don't have one. I'm sure a good portion of the audience doesn't have one. Give me the sales pitch, the elevator pitch on an HSA. Why? How? HSAs are for health uh, insurances with a high deductible. I think it's like $5,000 or higher. They can have a health savings account. And we put up to in 2021 is 7,200 um, was the contribution limit. The reason I like it is because it never phases out based off income like a Roth IRA does or an IRA does. The second thing is it's got pretty amazing tax advantages. So I put money in. It's you know, lowers my taxes this year. And then every time I have a medical bill, I can save that receipt and withdraw money from the HSA to pay that medical bill. Hmm. But here's what I learned from a financial advisor a while ago is that like, say for example, my wife had uh, unexpected ankle surgery this year. So we pay that out of pocket, out of deductible, and we save those receipts. But in the future, if you ever need money for an emergency or for retirement, in 2032, we can reimburse ourselves for the surgery my wife had this year and not pay taxes. So you can avoid taxes going in, avoid taxes going out. And there's very, very, very few investment vehicles where you can do that. Okay. Break it down for me. I'm a farm kid from Iowa. So tell me, you put $7,200 in an account. Is the money invested? Can you put that money in Apple or just sits in a money market oh, no. in Fidelity? It's, you can I, invest I, the yeah. money? Yeah. So you, you, put 7, you can invest in whatever you want. Yep. 
Okay, so you put seven hundred dollars, and it does it. Does the amount change every year? Yeah, they uh, the IRS bumps it up every year. A oh, they bump bit. it up, inflation adjusted. Yeah, I okay. mean it's like a hundred dollars last couple of years. I've been doing it for too long, but it's you know it's a hundred dollars a year. So got it. So I put seventy two hundred up or down three percent a year into an account. I can put it into Bitcoin. Can I put uh, it into anything? I don't know if you can do that. Oh, I think you can I, actually do self-directed ones Self-directed. On so yeah. Apple, Tesla, whatever my choice of stock is for that year, put it in there. It grows or goes it goes up or down. And then walk me through, uh, you lost me with 10 year in 2032, you could keep your receipts and pay it back. Help me understand the 10 year thing. So like, I thought the point is, if I have an emergency that year, I can take it out of there. But what was a 10 year thing? You can. So like you can do it for like, you know, uh, if you have an emergency, take the money out that year. Okay. And that's like what it's designed for. But the other thing is forget the 10 years. That was just a random number I threw uh -huh. out there. Okay. Any medical bills you have today, you can pay yourself back or reimburse yourself back in the future for. So uh -huh. in 20 years, if I need to pull out a bunch of money for something or want to retire early and it's not a medical emergency, I can reimburse myself in the future after I've had 10, 20, 30 years of compound interest, reimburse myself, pay myself back, and take the money tax-free out. So is this similar to a self-directed 401k minus the health benefit? So like self-directed self 401k, I put a certain amount of money in, I can put it into any investment I want, it grows, I don't touch it, right? I can't take it out for medical emergency. Is this the same thing? So every year you put $7,200 in the same account, it's growing, and then if you need it, you can withdraw health expenses either now or in the future, and it just continues to grow and compound. Correct. And it's a deduction for that current year. So yeah. if you have a hundred, if you owe a hundred thousand dollars to the IRS, but you now you owe ninety three, and oh by the way, the money's growing, and you can use it to pay any medical expenses above and beyond what your insurance covered. Yep. Is that much. the elevator pitch? Yep. All right, I like it. Yeah. So it's a really cool tax vehicle. If you guys have the right uh, health insurance, I love it. It's good. Fidelity. Um, is an amazing, I call him custodian or trustee. I have a fidelity to do some stock investing. Uh, and I love it. So do you have to call someone at Fidelity or you can just go in and set it up yourself? Nope, just go and set, go it, in and set it up yourself. Yeah. Call an HSA. Interesting. I may look into that. That was, that was very well explained. I enjoyed that. Okay, so let's go on to number two. You have the retirement account. That was what you were going to set up this year, a new retirement account? Yep, and I actually set that up. And that was just a, did a 401k through Vanguard. And that worked well just to start putting some money in there and build up and build up some stocks and bonds with the intent. Once it starts getting up, I can move it to a self-directed um, retirement vehicle. Actually, I moved it to a solo 401k, not a self-directed IRA. I learned a lot this year about various retirement accounts. So I actually did transfer it over to a solo 401k because I was interested in doing like a solo 401k, which is very similar to a self-directed IRA to do like investing in real estate. Mm -hmm. And what I realized, because you know, it takes a while to sit, get that count up you know, to mm -hmm. a meaningful amount, was that once it's set up as a solo 401k, I can roll over other IRAs and other 401ks I have into it. Mm. So I was able to fund it a little bit, but also roll over just some old ones from you know old plans into it to actually get the account up above like a little, a little, a few bucks. So help me understand how do you think about funding that? You're not a W-2 employee. You're you're an entrepreneur. You have all these different businesses and sources of income. So how do you budget and think about money for different buckets? For instance, this retirement account that you have. How did you go about planning? Or was it just, hey, there's $50,000 extra in my checking account. Let me go fund this. Or was it more, 
precise than that. No, it wasn't that precise. It was more just like, you know, hey, I can put money in there, get a tax savings today, um, and then use it eventually to invest in real estate. So it's it. just another way to go out there and take advantage of you know tax savings today with the intent at some point in the future to then move the account and use it to invest in real estate. And then once I realized I could roll over other accounts into it, I made the transition much sooner than I expected. Okay, cool. So your goal there was to build up a nice little cushion that you can down the road once you have enough money to put down for a rental or another fourplex or whatever to then go buy more rentals. Actually, I won't use it to buy rentals. I use it just to like uh, to be an LP, just be a limited partner, invest in someone else's deal. Because those retirement accounts, they just have they have really cruddy like financing options. If you go to we've I've looked at First Bank with clients in the past, like a self directed IRA, it's like a 35, 40% down payment on a rental. Mm. And it's like a point, point half higher interest rate. Got it. So higher down payment, higher interest rate, you know leverage the numbers, you're not getting a great return on a, on a rental property at a forty percent down payment in a five and a half percent interest in today's environment. So the solo 401k allows you to be an LP in larger deals and diversify away from your own rental portfolio. Correct. Got it. Yeah. So and then you just can't touch that money just like a self-directed. It just keeps growing. So you get the money back, you don't touch it, and then you just go redeploy it into another opportunity. Exactly. Got That's it. my understanding. Um, and talking to a bunch of people, they said go with the 401k versus the IRA. Cool. So the next, do you want to talk about the media company or um, rentals? Let's talk rentals. Okay. Tell me about buying more rentals. Uh, How's my, that gone? Uh, good. My goal is I said, buy two more rentals. I bought one and I'll probably just stick at one for the year. Uh, rental property I bought was good. House with an ADU. Numbers make sense. Good part of town. Transitioning part of town. Near a school, near a light rail. So checked off a bunch of boxes. Um, so just a good you know, base hit double in terms of investing. And actually what I ended up doing was rather than buying another rental property, I took that money and put into the retirement account. Okay, cool. So I shifted those, oh, I can do that, get some tax savings, and then invest that way. And that was just, uh, I think, the, a better use of capital based on you know what I had to deploy. And did you at all think about, since you have some other rentals, fourplex, single family, of thinking, it was the thought process, I want to get into another asset class in Denver, get some more exposure to something else? Or what was the thought process that went into, I'm going to buy one rental instead of two and then go and do you know, another form of investing in Denver? Um, diversification being one, just having, um, you know, being di uh, diversified. Learned a lot this past year, especially the, the Bigger Pocket show, just talking to lots of people about how they put deals together, syndications, investing on there. So learned about that. That looked very attractive to me. And I just looked at like the amount of money I could, hey, put into my 401k, that was enough to get me to a point where I could invest in it. Mm -hmm. Where if I didn't put that money, might not be quite enough to go out there and buy a rental property. So that money would just be sitting in a checking account for a while. So it was just diversification. And if I put that money I had into a retirement account, I could invest it sooner rather than if I just used it to put down more money in a rental property. Right. That's a great point. Yeah. I mean, me personally, it's been, you know, as you know, I've always been buying single family homes. I think last year I probably bought four or five single family homes with ADUs. I thought it was a great diversification for me away from multifamily because I have a lot in my portfolio. The majority of my portfolio is multifamily, Denver and Des Moines. But then I also like single family and being able to buy single family in areas that we believe are going to grow the next five years. You know, I think one of the great things about being on the ground in any market is that you know maybe some pockets of the city that are going to grow disproportionate to other parts that out-of-state investors may not know. So I think in Denver, 
there's a lot of people buying denim from all over the country, but they not, may not have the data or the information or the insight that people like you and I have. And so I think regardless of what you're buying, having some diversification into another asset class in the same market is a smart strategy. So I actually really like that. And I just was curious on how you thought about that. So moving on, let's talk about the media company, something you and I are very passionate about, and you've done an incredible job growing. Tell us what your goals were with the media company and how that has come along this year. Ooh, there's, uh, I'll try to condense it, but, uh, you know, in, in the book, it was very, I wrote down for that, like header on there was create a documenting content creation machine, which was just having all the infrastructure in place to go out there and do what we're doing now. It's just, I think the best content is stuff that's happening in real life. You know, this is, you know, I think Gary V's best tagline is document, don't create, mm. you know, document what we're talking about, document deals we're doing, you're doing other people. It's the best education. It's what people want to know versus hypothetical PowerPoint slides. But hey, what's the real stuff? And so this is something, you know, I, you and I actually started working on together last year was the podcast studio. Starting in December or November, we started talking about ideas on doing more videos. And that's where the studio got a full remodel with the goal in mind of taking it from a podcast studio, which worked very well for podcasting. Wasn't the prettiest room, but it was functional. And then we remodeled the whole studio here to have, you know, we got four cameras. I think people have seen it up on, on YouTube. Really cool uh, studio. And then hiring out more people to help run it and build it out. Like, you know, we've added an amazing videographer. We've added an amazing social media manager. Got more people talking to Adelaide this year as we build out uh, different functionalities on there. But it's really just building out a a media company so it can document stuff that I'm doing, clients doing, we're doing, because by sharing information, what that does, it provides networking at scale. And in real estate and in business, the bigger network is, the more deals, more access, the more things that happen. And so it's just a great way where I get to learn from people while at the same time networking at scale and just doing it across different ways. And from, you know, uh, a pure like media standpoint, I mean, the podcast is phenomenal, uh, but then there's so many other avenues being do. So we we'll be able to start doing more YouTube stuff, more social content, and just be able to repurpose the content more. And now that we've got the studio, we've got better systems in place, we got a bigger team, we're able to go out there and just do a lot more, create a lot more content. Because a lot of times a bottleneck is not the idea of creating about it. It's just the, it takes time, it takes manpower, it takes planning to go out there and get the stuff done. And now that's in place. Yeah. For, as an outsider looking in and a bystander, I love the people you've hired, the systems and processes that you've implemented. I mean, shout out to Diana and Jules. I mean, I think, what was it, a year ago, maybe we started talking about building out the people and, you know, they have totally streamlined and allowed a ton of growth. And anyone that's been following Chris, Instagram or LinkedIn or YouTube, I mean, the content you're putting out, the quality of the content, the graphics behind that, I mean, it looks really, really, really good. I mean, it looks like it's a company much larger than it is, and it's impressive. And so I've loved watching it. I love coming in the studio. I mean, the energy, the people, and just the growth of, and the traction that's occurring is really impressive and something that I'm sure people around the country are noticing. And so I think it's been awesome to watch. I mean, just in 10 months, the growth and how much momentum has been created. Thank you. It's, it's been, it's been a lot of fun and there's, uh, there's still so much potential left out there. So much potential. And I think here's a plug for, there's still a lot of opportunity inside the media company. Do you want to talk maybe about a little insight into the next three months and next year, maybe a couple of positions that could be available for anyone listening that wants to get, be a part of what you're building on the media side? 
Yeah. Um, you know, if anyone's listened to episode 300, the 10 extra career podcast, definitely listen to that for a little bit more details on some business stuff. But just as we go out there and grow the media company, we're at a point where we need like another editor, um, video editor, and potentially another video person as well. Probably getting close to the point where we need uh, another social person to assist Diana with some things. Um, got a couple people I'm talking to that are able to help out with some sales copy, which is great. Um, so anything in that space on just media production and repurposing content, please reach out. So copywriting, uh, video, social, all the standard stuff. Want to talk to everyone out there because there's opportunity, there's growth there. And as we grow, you know, we're, we're hitting our capacity right now for what we can do. And we got plans to get more people on the bus and expand into more platforms, more niches, because what it does, it just, it facilitates networking, which is the name of the game. And, oh, by the way, the culture is amazing. And so if you're into that and that sounds appealing and you want to be part of an awesome team with a great culture, definitely reach out. And I'm sure that Chris will put that in the show notes. Moving on, you talk about number five, rebuild the CRM and the internal process inside of your brokerage. Let's talk about how that is looking 10 months after you put that down. It's looking really good. That's been accomplished. I mean, it's never like fully accomplished. There's always, as you know, there's always more stuff to work on, but that was a big quarter one, early quarter two project, just because I can't believe it was about one year ago today, we, you know, rebrands and vision advisors brought on, you know, went from like four to 16 people, give or take a couple of people just, you know, grew a lot, which was great. And of course, through that, you start breaking your current systems and processes just through growing pains. And so it's time to look back like, how can we go in there and streamline it to make things more efficient internally, you know, get minute tasks off everyone's plate, you know, make sure nothing slips through the cracks. That's one of the things that, you know, one reason we got a lot of deals in our contract, we have a very high client sa satisfaction is we, you know, we really minimize scripts, we minimize things slipping through the cracks and that's just tight processes, tight systems. So rebuilt that. A huge help on there was Walker Noon. Um, he's been helping out for a while, but then he learned our systems. He's a math major, knows some programming, and he and I were able to crank a lot of this stuff out along with like taking all the internal stuff we're doing today and rebuild that. So that's been going great, checked off, and now we're actually kind of doing um, the next phase of that currently in quarter four, which was not planned for, but now like, hey, great, we got this other thing to work on, let's do it. So it's just continuous improvement so we can scale, but most importantly, always deliver a great client value. Like anything we do, it's always with the, the end user in mind, it's the client. It's how can we make the client happy? How can we get the client hitting their goals? And while this stuff is, you know, you don't put this on the sales copy, you don't put it on the, the brochures that go out, it's the stuff that helps make this different and helps us just run at a very efficient pace and deliver a great client experience. Yeah, shout out to Walker. I mean, he's been impressive since day one. Love his growth, love the value he's added to the company and really cool to see, I mean, kind of the soup being made behind the scenes. Like you said, you don't really put it out there, but just behind the scenes, he's you guys have been putting in a lot of work there to improve the process, the systems and the overall client experience. Moving on, Colorado Springs. You and I have been talking about the Springs for, I don't know, a year and a half. And I'm seeing a lot of posts about deals you're doing out there. You've got some great traction. Talk to me about the Springs opening that market and how the progress has been in 2021. Yeah, I mean, the, the growth has been great. Like that was on the radar last year. And then Jenny Bayless reached out and said, hey, I'm you know making transition my life. I'm in the Springs market. Are you open expand the Springs? So I was like, heck yeah. Like that was a, you know, that was more mm -hmm. like a two or three year goal, but 
hey, stars are lining up. Let's do it now. So she's been an amazing partner down there. Um, and what we've done is been able to, you know, replicate a lot of stuff we do in Denver down in the Springs. And fortunately, the markets are, are, are somewhat very similar. Our processes are very similar. So we're able to grow down there. I forget the exact numbers down there, but just the growth that she's been able to uh, have down there has been phenomenal. And that's just been part of like, she's a great agent, great investor, piggyback off our systems, the content, all the right ingredients into, uh, into uh, the casserole pot and, you know, it came out great. And so the two main goals down there, other than just, you know, establishing ourselves down there was adding one to three agents. Uh, we did add one agent and that's worked perfectly. Leah uh, joined us in, I think like February or March timeframe. She's been an absolute key member of our team down there. And then November-ish of last year, we started the Colorado Springs Real Estate Investing Podcast. And the goal is just to publish 50 episodes this year. So basically one a week. And I looked at numbers, but I think we're on track for that because we've been publishing one a week as far as I know. You guys are publishing one podcast a week for the Springs? Yep. Amazing. Well, because what the way I look at it is, I mean, the podcast has been so amazing for what we've done here in Denver. Right. The podcast is our newsletter. Mm -hmm. It's our newsletter. And it's, you know, it's the way people are consuming content now. Like, you know, there's a bazillion newsletters from real estate agents down there and a lot of them, you know, they're not that great, but the podcast, different medium to go out there. And I much more enjoy the podcast format versus like a newsletter format. So we've been doing that and she has done a great job of creating content, getting things lined up and just go, go, go down there. Yeah. Amen to that. I mean, a podcast is much more dynamic and engaging than a newsletter. So totally with you there. Give me the elevator pitch on the Springs. What, why the Springs? If someone calls you from California and they say, hey, I have X number of dollars to invest, I'm looking, I want to either be in Denver, Fort Collins, or the Springs, give me the pitch on the Springs. Because I've only done one deal in my life in the Springs, and I don't know much about it. So I'd say the biggest thing, like, so the Springs and Denver have very similar trends. Like, if you hear in Denver about the low inventory or the supply and demand issues or these crazy offers, the Springs is experiencing the exact same thing. Like, it's amazing how much the two markets marry each other. I'd say the two biggest differences are uh, their lower price point. So depending on how much capital you want to invest, you can get the you know you can get in for a lower amount. Now their returns overall, uh, they're not much different from Denver, but they're a lot of times you know a couple percentage points higher than Denver. So slightly higher returns and lower price point. And then a lot of people are attracted to it from just the military bases down there. A lot of federal you know a lot of federal programs down there. It's a very strong market. And as Denver grows more Colorado Springs growth goes. So I think it's a, you know, a great market as it grows, ride that wave of growth. A clarifying question. So if Denver, if I can buy a rental in Denver and let's say it's a five cap, right? Unlevered five, 5% yield on my money. What is the, so would it be a hundred basis points higher in the Springs, 150 or what would you think if Denver's at a five, I'm going to be buying in the Springs? Oh my gosh. Um, I mean, it's got to be six, six and a half, right? Or Oh, no, you, it's not that high. No, uh, no. I mean, a lot of the single families are in the, the high fours down there, uh, occasionally a low five. Multifamilies are, you know, low fives to sometimes high fives. So, so about the same return as Denver. Yeah. I'd say I, I've seen a couple like, you know, using basis points, you know, maybe 20 or 30 basis points or like wow. two or three tenths of percent. Wow. And I've not done like a huge analysis on there, but you know, I talk with Jenny regularly. I see deals clients are doing and they're, they're great deals. Um, but there's not this huge, like, oh my gosh, you can go down there and get like a 2% greater cap rate or anything. Wow. No. Interesting. Okay. Moving on. 
this is something that you and I have talked about that I think is a massive value add to your clients, and that is the portfolio analysis. Kind of like a financial advisor, but for real estate, which I think is killer because no one's doing it. Walk us through the genesis of that idea and how it's going. So that idea came about just from like my own desire needs, like what do I do with these properties? Because you know, there's so much attention out there and so much focus on buying a great deal, which is important. But in two, three, four, five, ten years, you can't look at your initial purchase price on the property. What do you do? And especially in markets like Denver and the Springs, where you've seen massive appreciation, that still makes sense to hold on to that single family home that great, it was worth three hundred thousand dollars. Now it's worth seven hundred thousand dollars. Rents doubled, but you know, prices went up two or three times. What's the best use of equity? So it's just a way to look at the whole portfolio as a whole, help you analyze it, and then figure out the different moves you can do to help you achieve your goals. Because sometimes it makes the most sense to you know trade up and do a 1031 to buy a bigger property. That's often the case here in Denver since we've had such high appreciation. Sometimes for other clients, they're like, hey, here's the goals I want. We look at it, it's like, you know what? Like, you don't need to buy any more properties. You just need to pay off some of your debt and you're at your goal. So it's helping people figure out, hey, how can I take my existing portfolio and get to my goal? We're also making sure we maintain their risk tolerance on there. Like, you know, everyone has different investing strategies. Everyone has different risk tolerances on there. How can you balance those things well and help people go out there and optimize their portfolio? So walk me through a real life scenario, how this actually works. So I own three or four properties and I'm like, man, I don't know what to do. I think I wanna buy something. Maybe I wanna buy a duplex or single family. I need help. So I reach out to your team and then I set, and then ha- walk me through from there how it actually, how, how does it actually work in real life? So Chelsea Scott is the one really taking the lead on this, building it out. She's done an amazing job. And so right now we have a spreadsheet that, that she built. Um, and so, you know, it's a very dense, you know, high level spreadsheet. Goes on all the details. We plug in all the numbers, the goals, the properties, builds out all sorts of details, and then builds out and actually have all these individual property sheets. And you have like one section, which is the whole portfolio together and shows how much that property is helping you get towards your goals. And then we have different um, different logic built in there, help identify potential things like, oh, wow, you have a high equity ratio or your interest rate's really high or, hey, you're getting a very low return your equity on here. So we've got different things that will flag those cells. And then obviously like Chelsea knows about this stuff. We're looking forward as well and say, great, here's some ways you can go out there and and, rev- and optimize your portfolio. We looked at it, man, your renter, it's everything. Your rent's really low for this section. What's, you know, this part of town, what's going on here? Oh, you're being a lazy landlord. You should probably raise your rents. Hey, this property, you've had mass appreciation. Let's look at doing a cash out refi or selling to do 1031 and build out both, both of those scenarios. Because sometimes one is better than the other. So it's putting all that in there. So when a client closes on a property or they come to us, we plug it in there. Can I get a snapshot? And then... We still, we're still figuring out like, you know, the frequency to meet with people, you know, ideally once a year, sooner if, if people are making trade-ups, meet with them, review their portfolio, talk about their current cash position and what properties they're looking at and make sure what they're doing is in alignment with their portfolio and their goals. And sometimes see if there's other levers we can pull that can change things. Love it. What has the feedback been so far? Because I think it's amazing. You know, I, I mean, having someone just for public equities to tell you what to do and what the trends are that's in it every day. And then having someone in real estate that can look at your portfolio and give you advice. I mean, I could see a ton of value there and you're not, oh, and by the way, you're not charging for it, right? So a big bonus. How, what has the feedback been? Uh, People have loved it. I mean, like it just, it's just been, you know, there's been 
I don't think there's been anything else out there like in the marketplace. I mean, you know, there is stuff for more institutional investors. And this is really just bringing down like you'd go sit down to your financial advisor to talk about your stock and bond portfolio. This is what a mom and pop investor can do for real estate. So people have loved it. Uh, the biggest request we actually got was, can they have a copy of the spreadsheet? Hmm. And we've always said no because, you know, it's a pr proprietary spreadsheet. Plus, it's just, you know, a massive beast of 50 or 60 tabs. And once one formula has changed, I mean, you know how that mm -hmm. goes. And it's like, we don't want to spend three hours figuring out why you broke our spreadsheet. <laughs> uh, but actually led us into looking at how we can make like a web-enabled version of it, yeah. which just snowballed out control in a great way. Uh, because we're actually in the process, a, a client of ours who actually bought in the Springs, uh, I think late last year, um, reached out. He's a um, you know business person, programmer, developer, just a very smart guy with like one foot in business, one foot in programming. So he can kind of like bridge both, which is I think hard to do in the programming world. So he reached out to start bouncing ideas on how to take the spreadsheet and build into a software application. And so actually starting end of this week, uh, when I'm recording, we're recording this podcast, we're actually doing our first round of beta testing with the software. So we're actually taking the spreadsheet that Chelsea built we're web enabling it into a software. So it'll be in the cloud, fully soft, uh, fully on online. And it'll be a blend of like, if you guys know Credit Karma, where they give you tips on there, hey, do this with this credit card or this score, we can actually build that stuff into there. So it'll be a centralized place to view it with much bigger plans to incorporate MLS feeds, build our spreadsheets in there, and actually have it be a repository as well to store like lease information or photos and just have it be like one spot. That way for estate planning, everything's there. Or if you need to create like a financial statement for your accountant or a lender, you can pull it all from there and, and send it off. So lots of really cool stuff going on there. And we're actually going to start uh, doing some soft launching of software in a little bit. So that it's one of those like crazy things you in combination of like, you know, having a great team member, Chelsea, having a great product on there having the ability to network at scale through the podcast and you know having done a really good job for this client who said, hey, I like you guys. I would love to work with you guys and figure out we can build this as well. So all the stuff just compound on those like, was not expected, but on those crazy snowballs, which has been a very, very fun ride. Amazing, I can't wait to try it out. That sounds incredible. Moving on from portfolio analysis, you've talked for a while about really building a commercial real estate brokerage. You've done incredibly well in the residential. It's scaled, I don't know, 10X since I met you. Talk to me about your goals and ambition to build the commercial brokerage. Yeah, so there's, um, you know, I think a lot of people know, you know, years ago when I was first getting into real estate, I spent three or four months working as a junior broker at um, at a uh, small boutique shop, not in Denver, it was, at, it was before I moved here. Um, learned a lot about that industry and, and they focus on like 15 to 100 unit multifamilies. So, you know, typical bread and butter stuff for mom and pop investors. And I just saw a lot of inefficiencies in the commercial space where, you know, it's all, you know, cold calling. And I talked about like, Hey, can we implement marketing strategies? And the response was just, no, it doesn't work. This is the way we do things. You can't do this. Make your cold calls. And I was like, well, okay, you know, I've sold hundreds of millions of dollars online in the past. Like I know Google and YouTube kind of work. And I know these people who have apartment owners, they're kind of on the internet as well. Like there's an opportunity there. So I always had that in the back of my mind. I was like, hey, there's opportunity there. And not in some like, oh, we're gonna disrupt the market and be some crazy game changer like an Amazon or Google. No, 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 nothing like nothing like that. But just if you can go out there and find a more effective way to go out there to communicate with the owners, and actually add more value other than let me list your property, let me list, 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 list. Let me actually add more value on there. 
I think there's great opportunity on there. Plus, you know, I wanted to start getting into bigger deals for my own interest, you know, my own investments. But we have a lot of clients who've reached out through the podcast or of our clients, you know, they they're they got a great, you know, you know, residential portfolio. They're at points where they want to start, you know, being able to sell some properties, trade up into a bigger multifamily for economies of scale, going from some singles and duplexes and fourplexes, hey, go up to a 15 and go up to a 20 unit. So really trying to figure out, hey, as that happens, want to be able to help the clients out there. How can we do that? And that is expanding uh, into commercial. So um, a lot of really cool stuff is happening there. It is going nothing like a, a, according to my mental plan I originally thought like a year ago or you know two years ago, but that's how life goes. It's actually turning out, I think, to be better in a lot of ways, just in the in a way it goes. And I'll, I'll talk a more much more about that in the future. But stars have aligned, some great people um, I'm talking to, and a lot of stuff is lining up to actually check off that goal before the end of the year. Awesome. I can't wait to see the updates there coming from you. So one of the things you and I have been working on together is the Tribe of Multifamily Mentors. That was number eight or nine on your list. Number nine, excuse me. So talk to me about the Tribe of Multifamily Mentors, the partnership with Bigger Pockets. How is that, you know, give us the recap on season one. How is the filming for season two coming along? Uh, dude, it's been a fun ride. Like it's been one of those things where it's, uh, you know, learn a tremendous amount. Obviously we're with Bigger Pockets. They're, you know, a huge organization. They're a great organization. So seeing how they operate and do things, you know, it's just, Hey, learn, learn, learn and go from there. So I can't believe that, you know, when we, when I wrote this chapter, we not even recorded the first season on the earth. That was only back in like what, February to I think April record most of that stuff. So I loved it. Like the YouTube stats we got from Bigger Pockets, um, we did very good. And we met with them afterwards, like performed very well. We had some of their top performing videos on YouTube. Um, and, you know, which was nice because, you know, obviously we're a little bit biased. We think it looks good. The quality is good. Uh, but obviously the YouTubers and analytics supported that. But what I really enjoyed about that was we got to meet some just amazing people this year. And not only meet them, but it actually flew into Denver. We got to spend a day with them to learn from them. And just for like my own knowledge and networking, just amazing on there. And of course, putting all that content in bigger pockets has created a lot more other conversations. So that's been a huge win, huge learning experience. And now we're recording season two. I mean, in two days, we're recording, I think our third guest for season two. And we're changing the format. So it was very much like a more podcast, Joe Rogan style format of, you know, an hour-ish long uh, podcast format. And we want to keep on YouTube. And so we want to keep it shorter and a little bit more engaging. So now we have guests flying out and we are recording two episodes with them. And it'll be episode one, one week, episode two, the following week. And we'll still do a mini interview, you know, 20 to 30 minutes in there. But then the second one is actually going out there and doing field activities, kind of blending in the real estate ride along show that we did, gosh, two or three years ago now, blending some of that in there to go walk a property, then come back and analyze it. Um, you know, we had um, a couple, you know, a couple very savvy investors, you know, from your network, Terrence. Hey, they reviewed one of the deals that a couple of our guests did, Kyle and Van, young guys, they're hustling, they're growing. And we did a really cool video where they actually sat down and, and pitched them on the deal. So viewers get to see how, you know, uh, operators are going out there to discuss their project and raise money. And for a lot of people, it's a great dynamic because these are, you know, 22 year old guys and they're going, they're talking to people who are, you know, in, in their 
probably 50s or so, very experienced, you know, very, very savvy, smart investors, Wall Street backgrounds, and they were getting grilled on some questions on there. So I think for a lot of people, we can get that much more tactical content, hopefully give it so other people in that space can learn from it and apply that to their their uh, their business. I mean, you said it. It's been a wild ride. You and I started filming a show that we didn't know what it was going to be, you know, out of my car, just driving around looking at projects. And now, you know, we have a much larger audience on a much larger platform and people are flying to Denver on their own dime, sitting down with us in the studio. And then we're going and doing a live podcast or episode on a property or something in the field to kind of break it up. And one of the most amazing things has been really going deep with like the next generation. You know, there's obviously a big podcast circuit with multifamily. And I, you know, one of my passions was really targeting that 18 to 24 that maybe in college or just out of college or before college that isn't quite sure what they want to do, but knows that maybe college is or isn't for them. And they want exposure to real estate, specifically multifamily. And we go deep on property management, construction, acquisition, lending, all kinds of things, everything multifamily going deep and with some high energy, talented males and females. Season two, we're really trying to target females. We think that there needs to be more of a female presence mm-hmm. in the multifamily industry. And anyone that's looking to grow their knowledge base, acumen, and maybe be entertained a little bit. I mean, Chris and I aren't comedians, but I think that there's some really good content on there that is educational and entertaining. Definitely check out season two. It's coming mid-November November. on Bigger Pockets YouTube. And I think season two is going to be even better than season one. A lot of information, a lot of detailed information and tactical, like step-by-step nuances on how to build a portfolio, be an LP, or grow any from A to Z in multifamily. So definitely check it out. I think it's going to be really, really impactful. Last but not least, for number number 10 on your goals, you had Mastermind and continuing that. So tell the audience how that has been. Um, it's been really good. And so, you know, when I say Mastermind, I don't mean like, starting or joining a paid mastermind group, I have very mixed feelings about that. Um, I know a lot of people do it. They have great success. Uh, For me, I've never had huge benefit from that. And that might be something I need to revisit down the road. Because it's interesting on that note, a lot of the bigger, uh, a lot of the people we talk to in bigger pockets, I mean, the the amount of masterminds, the money they invest in there kind of actually made me start rethinking some of the things. They pretty much all, it was pretty like unanimous. They've all paid for a coaching and a mastermind, which you and I have almost never done that. But that was not what we found doing that show, yeah. which was really interesting. I, and, and we're talking, I mean, they were, I mean, you know, twenty to $50,000 range, like, you know, significant money, money, to, money to throw into there. So that, that's been in the back of my mind for, hey, maybe one day that might make sense. Let me do it. And then I might change my tune and have a, a different opinion. But I really love just more organic masterminds, like the stuff that's been able to, you, you and I have developed, uh, me and Joe Massey, just other people that are, you know, similar stages in life. Similar culture, similar values, and, and they know the real estate space. And it's just like having a running buddy. I always mm-hmm. go back to like having a gym buddy. Yeah. You know, like, hey, if I'm gonna get up and work out at 5 a.m., you know, that's that's tough. But hey, I might sleep in if it's just me. But if I'm meeting you at the gym, I don't let, I don't let my buddy down. I don't let my workout buddy. So I like having masterminds because it holds me accountable. But I really loved having organic relationships because I feel like those are so much more powerful. And it just leads to you know amazing feedback, amazing opportunities, and you know, the other people like if they really know you, and not just hey a twelve week paid course, but you know hey you've known me for years now, Terrence, and we meet, we talk, and 
you threw ideas out or you challenge me on something and you're able to because you just, you really know my business, you know what I do. And having that feedback is just phenomenal for me. So I love doing it, want to keep doing more of it. Uh, and that's kind of led me to doing a much better job for like my team members, um, you know, just for Envision Advisors and the media company and just doing all that because like I love facilitating that. And again, very organic, helping people achieve their goals. Because if I know what my teamers want to achieve in their goals, great, we can align that, you know, with the business. And it's a great win, win, win there for everyone. So I want to get better at not just masterminding myself, but facilitating that with, you know, team members. And one of our projects for quarter four is to actually start doing some more masterminds with clients as well. Again, not paid ones, but just more organic, come network, come learn, and actually be able to do it with the clients as well. Of course, that gets into like a whole scaling thing, and that's not just me alone, but we're building the infrastructure and team on there as well because it's been tremendous to me, and I know it's tremendous to other people, and I still, like, you know, we, I'm kind of changing my tune on here, like, rather than spending $50,000 on a coach or mastermind, I'd rather someone spend $50,000 in investing because I think it's going to be a greater asset and you learn way more by investing money versus doing a coach. I'd rather still keep it you know, free um, and just very organic so people can go out there and invest in money. And I think it's more enjoyable in the long run. I feel like it's just, it's a, you know, karma, the universe, whatever it is, will like, you know, very much uh, reward me and all the team members for it as well. Yeah, we share that same thought in terms of just organic relationships, networking, getting together, talking about ideas, challenging, you know, sharpening each other and, yeah. you know, just being transparent about, hey, here are my struggles. Here's what I'm thinking and trying to, you know, bounce things off each other to make each other better. And, I've, you know, I, and it's amazing, you know, when you get people that are like minded, all the good that comes from it. And, you know, you said something, I don't remember a year ago, maybe like you want to be around people that give you energy, you know, like when you leave the room, are you more energized? And I think you've done an incredible job of building an ecosystem of clients, people on your team, and just being a part of uh, an ecosystem where everyone is bringing, providing value and getting energy from being around each other. And I think it's been incredible. It's been a lot of fun to watch and see. And uh, to me, I've gotten so much more out of organic, natural relationships than yeah. ever from someone that wanted me to pay them for anything, you know, from that kind of uh, just dynamic. So I think it's been incredible to see. And, you know, I can't wait to continue to watch the growth, the traction, the massive momentum that you've built here in Denver and how it's going to continue to grow in other parts of the state and with all the other projects you have going on. So it's been amazing to not only read your goals, discuss them, see where we're at eight months into them. And I can't wait to see how you finish the year and get into 2022. Thank you. Um, yeah, man, I, I, I love doing the masterminds with you, these podcasts, all this stuff. And I can't believe we're in week one of quarter four right now. Like, holy smokes. Um, time to start working on 2022. So sounds like we need another riverboat trip. Oh, that's always needed. <laughs> that is always needed. Uh, River Chris is in the, it comes back in a very good space from river trips. Very awesome. relaxed and very much in the flow. Awesome. Well, that was awesome, Chris, and great work summarizing everything. And uh, I look forward to checking in in 2022.